us um, this morning. Would you all stand with us? We're going to start worship off by singing, Who is Like the Lord? That was one second. <laughs> Larry, I think we're muted. God sent His Son 
Good morning. We welcome you. We are glad you're here today. I'm excited to have Pastor Sheldon Pleasance, his wife Janelle. Uh, pastor is the uh, Sheldon Pleasance is the pastor at Antioch Baptist Church, and you all know this is our 250th year. And uh, for a lot of our history, we were together later this year in September. Something I want you to keep on your uh, calendars. Uh, we're going to worship together with Antioch back at the Davis Street Church location, and we'll let you know details about that as we get closer. But I wanted you to know who he is today, and he's going to come and share a little bit with us and lead in prayer. Thank you. Good morning, Culpeper Baptist. Amen. Uh, someone told me a little while ago that your pastor was full of energy. And I can attest that it's true because I couldn't keep up with him coming up them stairs just now. <laughs> this is the day the Lord has made. We rejoice and we are glad in it. Uh, we are thankful for the invitation to come and introduce ourselves to the Culpeper Baptist Church and uh, your pastor, which has become a good friend. Uh, we thank him for his hospitality and thank you for those that uh, we have not had a chance to greet. We thank you for your uh, warm receptions on from those who we have had a chance to greet. Amen. Well, <clears throat> I don't like getting up talking about myself, but since uh, I'm up here and I got the mic, I might as well say a few words about who I am and who my wife is. Um, I'm Sheldon Pleasant, and you just heard your pastor say, I am the 
passed up uh, Antioch Baptist Church uh, right up the way there. My wife, Janelle Pleasant, is here with me. And uh, we came in contact with Antioch, I guess, some three years ago. And we started coming. They were in search for a pastor. And I don't know if they found me or I found them, but we uh, started coming up here and we took a liking to the church. And some three years later, here we are. Amen. And a uh, little bit about myself and my wife. Uh, we've been, uh, been together now for some 13 years. I hope I got that right. Some 13 years. Men, know how long you've been with your wife. Amen. <laughs> some 13 years now we have, uh, we have uh, five kids. We want to know that too. Uh, five kids. Uh, three of which are grown, amen, and uh, uh, one, he's, he's, uh, he, he grown, but he ain't so grown, he, uh, he, he's grown, but he's still at home, and then we got another one who's coming along, amen, and uh, we, 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 we love each other, we love the church, uh, and I'm not talking about just Antioch, we just love the church, I've been in church just about all my life, she has as well. Um, we've been in ministries now some, uh, we, we are forgiven on this one, some 20, over 20 some years, uh, who's counting, you know, uh, we just get up and serve the Lord and uh, um, we are just happy to be able to be used by God. Just happy to be able to be used by God to be able to effect change in his people. And um, up at the church there, we are um, still getting to know the community, still getting to know uh, everybody's name in terms of who's important on the, you know, who's who list. <laughs> and uh, we, we're, we're trying to make our mark in this community to, we are focusing more so on the youth, we're focusing on outreach. I believe, we believe at the church that the church, it's time for us to get outside of the walls and take the church to people. And for so long we have expected people to come to the church and so that's what our main objective is, is how we can get the church out to the community and in the homes of people. And so, I guess I should say a little bit about our background and education a little bit, and then we'll lead, lead, then we'll lead a little bit in prayer. Uh, she's a graduate, uh, Richmond UV University of Virginia. She's a graduate of there, of, uh, of uh, University of Virginia. I come through various different schools, uh, Richmond Virginia Seminary, uh, Liberty University, Dallas Theological Seminary, um, Grace, uh, theological seminary. Um, uh, anyway, it culminated in us receiving our uh, postgraduate degrees. We both uh, have doctorate degrees in areas of uh, religion. So that's that. Um, as you can tell, I do not like talking about ourselves. So, uh, but I do want to, um, I am glad for the opportunity to come and to introduce ourselves to you. Uh, stand up, girl, let, let, them, let them wave your hand. Give them that, that, uh, that nice presidential wave. Amen, amen, amen. We're gonna, uh, we're gonna just pray now and ask the Lord's blessing over our time of worship together, if that's all right. Eternal God, we thank you once again for this priceless privilege to come into the house to praise and glorify your name. We thank you, dear God, for how you have blessed us and kept us over the years. We thank you and give you praise for your awesome providence over our lives and your rulership in the entire world. We who are of faith, God, we love you and we give you praise for how you continue to stay on the throne. And we ask now, God, that before we go any further, that you would forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us and wash us from all unrighteousness. We pray, God, that our worship today, our praise unto you today would be pleasing in your sight. We ask, oh God, that you would bless everyone in this building, 
to lift up your name, bless those who are taking part in this service, who, who work behind the scenes to make the service what it is. We ask now that you would bless the word and the music and any of the script, reading of the scriptures that's gonna come forth on today. We thank you for it and we give you glory, honor, and praise. In Christ's name we pray, amen.
Let, let me start by giving you some homework uh, this morning. It's Martin Luther King weekend. Uh, there are two things you should do in the next two days, and we'll try to help you do this through social media. Tomorrow you should read, or sometime this weekend, a letter from a Birmingham jail written by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, and if you want to read that and discuss it, come tomorrow night to our young adult group at 630 because that's what we're going to focus on. But that's one thing you should do this weekend. And then you should also read the Virginia Statute for Religious Freedom written by Thomas Jefferson, uh, approved by our legislature January 16th, 1786. And we'll, we'll post that on our social media on Tuesday. Um, but I think if we could read those two documents uh, over the next two days, we would have a much better sense of our calling to the world today and be challenged to live as people who love and who, and who proclaim the wonderful news of Jesus Christ. Lindsay led us in a song uh, just now, What Love Is This? And I want us to focus on that this morning as we continue in this series through Luke, as we talk about Jesus being for everyone. We've got to get this issue of love correct. So turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Luke chapter 7. Uh, Luke chapter 6, sorry. Uh, I'm going to read verses 27 through 33. The scripture will also be up on the screen um, and encourage you to follow along with me. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If somebody slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. This world has a lot of people who are hurting. And they're hurting so much that all they can think about is the pain that they're in. In the last few years in our culture, we've all become sadly aware of a phrase, deaths of despair. Deaths caused by alcoholism, suicide, drug abuse, and we know as we gather here today that Jesus can heal these issues. But I, but I think you might agree with me that there is a gap between Jesus and people who are in despair. And it's a gap that people in despair feel. They, they think they're unworthy of Jesus or that Jesus doesn't know about their pain. And then they get around people who proclaim to be part of who Jesus is, who, who represent Jesus to this world. And they get around us. And they kind of get the idea that Jesus is not for them. Jesus might be for some folks, but not for my need. And Jesus begins this part of his teaching, but to you who are listening. You, you could also translate that as, I declare to you who are still listening. And these kind of words are only for those who are going to hear Jesus. And you will acknowledge with me that we're sometimes pretty good at sometimes hearing Jesus and, and many times not hearing Jesus. And so I think it's a big question for us today. Who are we listening to? What voice is it? What authority is directing our lives? Uh, this past week in our, in our young adult study, we, we were looking at Luke chapter 4, and, and Luke tells us there that Jesus spoke as one with authority. His words changed behaviors and changed lives and changed outlooks. And his words are authoritative, but are we listening? Jesus starts with that this morning. If we are listening, if we are still listening, here's what you got to know. If you're going to live for me, you've got to learn how to love. And love is a verb. 
It's an action. Don't let this culture tell us something else. It is something we do. When love is a noun, it is a synonym for God who is love and action. And God is love is the greatest theological truth we can share with anybody. And Jesus says in verse 32, if you love those who love you, that love is an action. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? The word credit there can also be translated gift or grace. And Jesus is saying, where is the grace if you only good, do good to those who do good to you? If you only love those who love you, where's the evidence that God is even a part of our lives in that transaction? And the world's love is reactive. Love me and I'll love you. Do good to me, I'll do good to you. Hate me, I'll hate you. Slander me, I'll slander you. Curse me, I'll curse you. It's blow for blow. It is reactive. But reaction means we're never in control. We're always letting somebody else decide what we do and how we feel. God's love is not reactive. It is active. It is not do unto others as they've done to you. It is do to others as you would have them do to you. And again, sometimes we, we let the familiarity we have with God's word kind of dull us to what's going on here, but, but the people who Jesus was talking to, they had a good list of enemies. I, I don't want to make uh, some conclusion about your list of enemies, but, but they had a good list of enemies. They were occupied by an enemy army called the Romans. They had historical enemies called the Samaritans. They had disagreements and enemies with their own religious circles about how they were going to faithfully serve God. And some, like the Essenes, they withdrew to live in an alternative community. They just said, the way we're going to solve this problem is we're going to get away from all of you. And others, like the Pharisees, they say, we're going to solve this problem by getting everybody to obey and follow God's law. And so they dealt with their enemies by excluding and judging others. And some, like the zealots, said, we're going to deal with our enemies. We're, we're going to take up arms. We're not going to put up with this anymore. We're going to go after those Roman oppressors. We're going to, we're going to get mobs together. We're, we're, going to, we're going to meet them in the back alley. And so that's the group Jesus is talking to. And Jesus says to this group, love your enemies. If we want to understand why Jesus is ultimately on a cross, this passage might give us a clue. Love your enemies. And you can imagine the reaction. You can imagine the awkwardness of the moment. And we might should have some of that same awkwardness as we think about our role in this community and in our world. So who are our enemies? It's worth thinking about for a few moments. Our enemies are persecutors. Jesus understands that if we're going to live by the values of the kingdom of God, it is going to clash with the kingdoms of this world. And if that's not happening, then we need to ask ourselves, are we living faithfully to the values of the kingdom of God? Or are we following this Jesus? Because if we do, the there's going to be an experience. Believers all over the world today facing persecution. And the supreme example of a loving response is given by Jesus, who suffers violence without retaliation. And throughout Christian history, we have saints who have done the same thing. There are persecutors who are our enemies. There are perpetrators who are our enemies, people who have wronged us. Jesus speaks of those who strike us on our cheek or take our coats. Th these enemies are, are people who have hurt us maliciously, who've damaged us, who've taken something from us. And many people, many people in church buildings today and in the broader culture, 
carry wounds from people who have committed acts of violence against us, verbal or physical. Or perhaps we have been the perpetrator ourselves. We've wronged somebody. We've committed an act of violence, and we made those an enemy. You start talking about loving those kinds of enemies. It's a lot more complicated. And while I want to hold to what Jesus says here, that we love our enemies, I want you to hear me. Jesus is not inviting us to voluntary victimhood or inviting us to abuse or violence. Jesus' invitation here is not to just grin and bear it and be kind to, com- to those who commit awful acts. There have to be boundaries. There have to be healing. There has to be consequences for those who commit those kinds of acts. There is help available in this community. There is people who will support you and encourage you. If you need that help, come talk to me. We're not talking about that. But the question for people who find themselves in such situations is what do we do next? We've had this happen to us. What do we do with this? What do we do with the feelings of anger and hatred and retaliation that we have? How do we deal with our relationship with God in all of this? How do we experience freedom of forgiveness towards that person? And I would say Jesus does call us to forgive relentlessly, even those who have hurt us deeply. Loving our enemies. Create the boundary. Create the boundary. But let Jesus heal us. Help us forgive. Persecutors, perpetrators, and then unintentional enemies. These are people who we have no connection with or who we don't understand or who we're afraid of for some reason, or feel threatened by because they are different from us. When Jesus says, if you just love those who love you, what credit is that to you? When he says that, I I think of these kinds of folks. If you just hang out with people who like to hang out with you, what are you doing here? And we can so easily talk about people who think differently to us. And we almost paint them as subhuman, as others. And I think you might acknowledge with me there is a problem in our culture that that's what we're doing. We continue to close our circle of relationships to more and more people who look like us, think like us, live like us, believe like us. And everybody else is an other. And we don't think well of them. You see, groups define themselves by who is in and who is out. And one of the challenges of being in a church community is every now and then we need to uncomfortably ask ourselves, how are we defining who is out? Intentionally or unintentionally? Because groups define themselves by who is in and who is out. And that kind of group dynamic defines way too many ministry groups and churches and describes way too many churches. And so we start to erect, again, sometimes unintentionally, some pretty formidable boundaries between us and the others. And we're trying to talk in this series about Jesus is for everyone. And and you've heard me say that, that as you read the New Testament, the real challenge is we are the sent ones. Lost people aren't sent to us. We are sent to them. So what are we doing to move in the direction of folks not like us? Because enemies and potential enemies... There are piles of these folks. 
But Jesus says to us, love them. Love them. And why would we do that? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. Because this is how God loves us. That's what Lindsay was singing about a little earlier. The good news of the gospel is that God's love reaches out to us where we are. God's love comes to us. None of us are beyond God's mercy and love. If we went around and put everybody on the spot this morning and said, give us your testimony, at some point you'd probably get to that kind of statement. God's love revealed itself to me. And God reconciles us through Jesus Christ. It's as straightforward as that. God comes to us. And the church gets really off track every time we try to put some conditions around God's grace and God's love. When we try to act like there's some small print or there's some conditional clauses in that. God's love is free. It's unmerited. It's for everyone who calls upon him in repentance. God offers forgiveness. God is love. That's the good news of the gospel. That's why we got to love our enemies. And then God, Jesus asked us to love our enemies because when we do that, we are a visible sign of the gospel in this world. When we, when we love those who are different from us, when we love our enemies, we are a visible sign of the gospel to this world. The world should be shocked by our love. Every now and then, we should hear a conversation and happening out there like, I don't know who those people are. They just kind of love everybody. It's kind of what they said about the early church, by the way. But too often, that's not our reputation in this world. The world should be shocked by our love. So, so how do we do all this loving? How do we love without limits? How do we love beyond our comfort zones? Well, Jesus said, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Someone slaps you on one cheek, turn the other cheek also. Someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Let me make that a little bit easier for us this week. Pick one of those things. Pick one of those things. And do love as a verb this week. Bless someone who doesn't deserve it. Pray for someone who treated you poorly. Treat someone not how they treated you, but how you would want to be treated. And just do one of those things. And then let's see what happens. And the history of our faith is that God's love always, always conquers the world's hate. That's our story. And so if there is any hope in this world, we've got to be people who love like God, who love unconditionally, who accept and love people who are hurting so much so that they're bitter and they're angry and they maybe cannot love us back. And you know, there ought to be a place. There ought to be a place in communities all over this world where people who are hurting we're people who are confused. We're people who, who don't know what the next steps of life are going to be for them. A place where they can come and feel loved and accepted. When to the rest of the world or even to themselves, they feel unlovely and acceptable. There ought to be a place. And Jesus tells us that place is the body of Christ, the church. And we would all say, not sure we can do all that. Not sure we can love like that. It gets messy really quickly. And I would say, yes, it does. And we can't do this on our own. 
Only God can love like this. But if we have God in us, if we've been born again by his spirit, then scripture tells us that the, the love of God flows out of our lives into the lives of others. Remember, love's a, a gift of the spirit. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. We were loved by Christ when we were unlovable and we were unloving. We were forgiven by Christ when by his standard we were unforgivable. And so we can now be forgiven. We have been accepted by Christ when we were unacceptable. So we should be able to be accepting. Jesus is for everyone. And the only way to get there whether you're hanging out in the Gospel of Luke or any time in human history, the only way to get that, that Jesus is for everyone, is by loving like Jesus. Loving without limits. Loving those that are not like us. Loving those who have hurt us. That's the calling of the Gospel. So my closing questions today. Are we listening are we listening to Jesus' words? And I kind of know what we, when we are because it, it's uncomfortable. It's challenging. Are we listening to Jesus' words? And then the second question, how can we build relationships with those who feel left out of God's love in his church? Let me go a little further on this. Uh, Pastor Pleasant talked about how uh, we, we need to take the, wall, the, the church outside the walls, and, and absolutely that's the case. And we do that by building relationships outside the walls. See, one of the things we get into, we, we sit around in these buildings and we talk about those people and what we need to do to reach those people. And I just find that it's a lot easier if we start with those people. <laughs> <laughs> and build relationships and then try to understand how does the church need to change? How does the church need to demonstrate love in those relationships? It's a lot easier if we go at it that way. So what can you do? What can your group do to build relationships with those who feel left out of God's love in his church? And just to give you some statistical help right now, in Culpeper County, I would be shocked today if 20% of our overall population showed up in a church building, right? So we've got about 75, 80% of the market we can go have relationships with, we can go talk to, who feel some way left out of the body of Christ. Got a lot of people we can talk to. Let's go do that work. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for all the ways we have experienced your love, and thank you for the joy we've had in sharing your love. Lord, rekindle that in us, because a lot of us made faith decisions maybe a long time ago. We walked down some aisle, we were baptized, and we really were committed to sharing your love with others. And, and then things have happened, and maybe we've gotten a little off that. Lord, I pray that you'd rekindle that in us. Help us to be a place, a place where people feel loved, where people can encounter you. Lord, thank you for the privilege of doing that good work. In your name we pray, amen. You want to talk a little bit more about your faith journey, about your connection to this church, I'd love to have that conversation with you. I want to invite us to stand now. We're going to sing together, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Let's sing together. So this is a newer song, but I do encourage you as you catch on to it to jump in and sing along. steadfast love my deep and boundless
Be seated for a moment. Let me share some announcements with us. Uh, the flowers today are given by Ken and Joyce Whitlock in memory of Greg Harris, the father of their granddaughter, Caitlin Harris, and we're grateful for the flowers today. Some sad news to share. Catherine Kelly died this past week. Uh, her funeral was on Friday, and uh, continue to pray for her family as we uh, uh, minister to them and as they go through this time as well. We have a new member today, Elaine Griffith, and we're excited to have Elaine joining our church. And many of you have gotten to know her as she's been pretty active here uh, for a good while. And we're grateful to welcome her to our church. This Wednesday, we come back with Wednesday nights for everyone. First and third Wednesdays, uh, spaghetti is for dinner. It's a great way for you to get to know more people in our church, and we have groups uh, for all ages, so I hope you'll come. It's really helpful if we know you are coming for dinner, so uh, you could sign up through the church office or on the website. Uh, we would appreciate that, but come and join us on Wednesday night uh, for Wednesday night for everyone. Acoustic Cafe this week uh, is a really special one uh, with Ronnie Williams, and he's going to be doing that Carter family sound. So this is always a big response, and uh, we plan to be down in Courtyard Commons, uh, but we'll have a good crowd here Friday night. Great way for us to get to know our community. A lot of folks come to Acoustic Cafe. We're glad we're a part of that. Men's breakfast is Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. Love to have you join us downstairs in the fellowship hall. And again, if you could just sign up, let me know or let the church office know that would be great. And as I keep saying every week, Bob Roberts is going to be here Sunday, February 4th. We're going to have one service that morning at 10 o'clock. And then that afternoon from 4 to 6, uh, he's going to share more about uh, the impact of religious liberty in our world and evangelism. And so uh, we had a great time yesterday at Montpelier talking about that great story. Uh, Bob Roberts, in my mind, is a modern-day John Leland. He, he represents the early spirit of the Baptist here in our country and especially in Culpeper. I am thrilled we have him here. And if you haven't Googled Bob Roberts, you need to go Google Bob Roberts. He's a big deal, and uh, he's doing a lot 
lot of things in our world today. And so I'd encourage you to be here. Really want you here in the morning and the afternoon. I think it's going to be a great conversation and really propel us as we move forward in our 250th celebration. And as I keep saying, invite your friends who think religion is the problem in our world today, especially to the afternoon session. I think Bob will say some things that would encourage them and help them maybe see something different. So I'm going to keep talking about this. Sign up if you're coming in the afternoon because we're going to do dinner for that as well and, and want to have you here. A lot happening, as always, in the life of our church. Pay attention to our website, to our social media, uh, to our e-news. If you're not getting the e-news, let us know. We'll get that to you. It goes out on Friday morning. Thanks for being here today. Let me pray for us as we close. God, thanks for all the ways we get to experience your love and share your love as we go into your world. Help us to do it with your love flowing through us and out of us so that others might experience the great love of, of, of you. Thank you for your presence here this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.